0: All right, we got episode two here of uh, potentially, I I don't know, maybe a few more with Hannah. Yeah, who knows how many. (laughs) So we're gonna conclude uh, the the former topic and then start exploring other ones. And so, I mean, obviously the the traditional use of the forms of meditation that have become very much spread throughout the Western world. There were various goals and ultimately enlightenment, uh, full-blown spiritual liberation, release, moksha, etc., cetera, were goals of that. Though historically, that's not always why people were motivated to do that. And I think certainly there are complexities with why <laughs> and how people do these practices now in modern times. Throughout the world. But even if if there isn't some kind of ultimate spiritual goal, there I think there are certainly we know there's so much documented evidence of the mental health benefits, which I think is where we've been circling around. Um, and, And not just that, on an ultimate level, how you understand reality, how you fit into it's it's a way to kind of check in with your relationship, I think, with reality, with the universe, with the cosmos, with the divine, if that's your belief. And we also talked about the limitations of our sensory perception and of our worldviews and the way we've been conditioned to think certain things are real or not real, or limiting as we as we talked about this concept of the reality of the tunnel, having a more and more limited set of habits and perceptions essentially become in your life. And uh, to me, it's always been clear uh, why we have so much mental health epidemics and depression and generalized anxiety and so forth. I think because a part of us knows we're living, we're living in such a small orbit and it's not natural. We didn't evolve to live in these individualist, little self-obsessed. I call them the cocoons. I'll never forget, I actually wrote a little like haiku in my mind one time driving around. I was like, all these cars are these little cocoons, these little bubbles. And we acknowledge each other, kind of, because we don't want to hit each other. But this is like our normal day-to-day interaction in America is just like, you you go from point A to B in your little cocoon you kind of avoid each other. Yeah. Um, I'm, I This was in a major city. It, it is luckily different in small areas, and I think it's a little more community oriented here. But in the larger cities, it, it is so depressingly isolating. Just, just in your little bubble, quite literally. Whether it's your car, whether it's your house, wherever where you work, and boom, 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 boom. A to B, A to B, A to B. And there's there's been some pretty brilliant stories and films because I'm a big film and and book nerd myself they make this very exaggerated to try to point out the kind of lonely lives we lead and we might watch these stories and be like wow is that really how it is because we grow numb to it we just kind of accept this is the way we operate travel which i know you want to talk about that later on (laughs) Um, if you have any experience which luckily i've had in other countries you're like oh wow people like acknowledge you and look you in the eyes and people go out and shop and get fresh fruit and 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 veggies every morning and like bargain and haggle and there's people dancing in the street and whatever it is and it's like okay maybe the cocoons are are thinner in other places anyways without going on and on about that that's just one example i think of how do you not get depressed how do you not feel imbalanced when you're so constantly in your own head, in your own mind, that was serious. That was a part of my serious issue with quarantine and isolation and living alone, and being new to this area. Um, And I've talked about this in other podcasts. It's just like, is this even real? Am I in a fucking dream? Like, like what's going on? Uh, I'm staring at the wall here, you know? And and so it's just, it's, it's unnatural to be that way. And I do think that these, practices, uh, these disciplines, the, the body-mind connection, yoga is literal union. You're unifying the p- parts of you that have become imbalanced and disharmonized, mind, body, and spirit, however, we understand that, and ultimately unify with with, the universe, with, with all of this reality. And meditation as well, which is connected to forms of yoga, um, I think is another way if we are inherently in our cocoon, in our bubble, I think it's a great way to burst it a bit and and feel that barrier drop a bit between your relationship with yourself and with others and with whatever, all these many types of ways relationships operate. Uh, And then you can just keep going deeper and deeper into that. And then you might find yourself doing it in a really busy place, like at an airport or at a bus stop or something. I love to challenge myself and do that in very untranquil areas and <laughs> very chaotic, uh, not meditation-friendly uh, areas are, are a fun way to apply that. Or even just a few minutes before bed when I'm lazy and tired and like, I don't want to do anything. It's nice to challenge yourself like that throughout the day or throughout the day. Um, that's, a, that, that's, I think I'll just, for now, wrap up some of my observations about how it's worked for me. Um, and again, I am uh, struggling a bit going back to beginner's level, but it's also a good thing. It's, it's part of the cycles of living is, is going back to the beginning. So I'll turn it over to you, whatever you want to explore there.
1: Um, yeah, so I'll start off by saying I think that some of those barriers are pretty much fear, not challenged or not explored. Um, And I guess I'll just kind of leave it at that. I think we're very fearful and we need to face those fears uh, realistically. But I was going to ask you if you've ever heard of Akira the Dawn. It's a Spotify uh, artist. And um,
0: no, I have it.
1: I was listening to one of his tracks, um, I forget the speaker that he had on, but it was the concept of changing your filters on reality. You know, it's like putting on a pair of sunglasses. Everything out there is, is you, it's just a projection of yourself. And I know we talked about this in your class, but Everything that you interact with it comes from your own mind. Everything. And I think that's part of the individual pod problem is you think that everything is everything and it's not. <laughs> um, so I think that's another thing that yoga and meditation really brought to light is that as you watch, as you do any activity that allows your mind to change, nice it you discover that it is a filter.
0: Nice. The, the illusion of being separate, of being disconnected.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I think it does bring in um connectedness feelings.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of our default. I, I think our default is feeling separate and disconnected is not really real.
1: Why are we wired to be sad? <laughs>
0: that's <laughs> what makes me ask. Yeah, it's but. like you have to break through that wiring. Um, The ultimate paradox just to briefly interject is a relationship with another person because you aren't separate from them but you easily can and you know what i mean (laughs) think of all the complexities and pain that comes up with any kind of deep relationship whether romantic or not any kind of deep relationship with someone what's that
1: so much so much I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. Me and my sister say this all the time. I could not imagine how I would face tomorrow if you were gone. And but the, but the reality is, is we would face it, you know. But but there would be so much complexity in and and life changing factors if that if that relationship were to change. And that's those those relationships are where people can really understand that they are
0: connected. Yeah. And I think the unconditional love of family is is the best form of feeling that deep intimacy and that, that deep bond. Um, it's just, it it is it is an intriguing paradox though. Again, if ultimately we are not separate, ultimately we are one, ultimately we are part of this one web of life, a relationship should enhance and expand that feeling. And, so, and let's be real, so often, I just thought of this line from my favorite bands um i'm lonesome when you're around but i'm never lonesome when i'm by myself it's like oh god, oh, god. <laughs> it hurts and it's very teenage that. angsty of huh? you
1: what's that it's very teenage angsty of you
0: yeah but it's but it's but it feels real like like in a in an in an imbalanced relationship you often feel more lonely it's mm-hmm. such a weird paradox and, you, and you're like was I happier when I was <laughs> I don't it's this constant it's this constant kind of chasing our tail and that does sound very angsty it kind of is but
1: there's so much truth in the teenaged angst though like, yeah. the
0: teenagers are doing something right <laughs> yeah yeah it's so anyways that's that's I think it connects to all of this stuff because when you dig deeper into your consciousness, I think you will feel at times more lonely. I think you will feel at times more pain. Uh, just like going into therapy is very uncomfortable. It's, it's a, and and I, I see this as a therapy. I see this as like therapy with yourself, like a self-healing, it's just called a self-healing practice. And if you think that it feels good, often it doesn't, not, not doing the healing is worse ultimately, but healing is very painful, and I I learned this in so many ways throughout my life on the various levels, again, mental, emotional, physical, and otherwise, Um, and when I've tried to repress and push that to the side, like many of us do, and just drink, and uh, party ourselves to oblivion, and kill all our brain cells, and all that fun stuff, you know, it feels good for a bit, But then you realize, man, I've just been numbing myself and I've just just been hiding in a very clever way. Some people will hide in that way forever for their entire life.
1: I actually had a partner that did that and it was very challenging um, to encourage them to face it. And I knew that they were using substances to cope and mostly, and I don't really mean cope and cope. I meant, I mean, repress. And to just encourage them that they had to feel through that sadness was a challenge because they didn't, I don't know, they just, they just didn't want to. And, um, I remember one time we were, we were doing psychedelics together and it was one of the few times that they really just like cried about what was wrong. And I was just like, please do this every day until you, until you feel better. But, um. Not everybody wants to take that path, but um, I do recall several times doing yoga or doing or doing psychedelics and having my emotional catharsis um, release on whatever was bothering me. and that allowed for so much growth because we have to release. But
0: yeah, I, I, I hear that. Um, there's certainly, I, if your partner was male, the, the, the toxic masculinity aspect, this uh, is, you know, we're not allowed to cry. That's that's a kind of a cliche, but it's very true. Boys don't cry. Like the Cure song <laughs> about the teen angst. Um, no. That's fucking true. And. It has disastrous, extremely talk about toxic effects. Um, it's not necessarily sex or gender based always, but certainly part of our experience and from my experience in growing up is like you just cry naturally and then as a kid, you're immediately taunted and ridiculed, and you learn to shut that down. Yeah. So, you know, I had to I had to unblock that and decondition that during that time of being a teenager because I realized I was like kind of a robot. I was becoming emotionless.
1: That was and so felt, sad. What's that? It's so sad. Yeah. It was one of the reasons you know it's like I, I couldn't imagine growing up in a, in a male body for that reason.
0: Sucks. Because
1: yep.
0: and, and I'm the age,
1: oriented.
0: Yeah, certainly. Whatever the age and in your experience with whomever it can stay there. And some stay like that, like a rock, like a like a brick, as I call it, um, their entire life. And you can almost see their like bodies clenching. They're trying so hard to the be stoic. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's they let it out in these certain contexts. For most people here in Wisconsin, you go to the bar. It's your time to be like, "I love you, man," and and maybe even cry a little bit. Because guess what? You probably won't. You probably won't remember it yeah or you pretend to not remember
1: it i would yeah i've definitely i've definitely seen guys use getting drunk as like the one time where they can tell their friends how much they care about each
0: other i do i know seriously man you're my best
1: friend dude oh i know (laughs) like say that to him sober he'd appreciate it just as much
0: yes okay but i
1: have um i've been watching um these kids in the class that I'm teaching this summer sort of, um, (laughs) hide those emotional, uh, experiences. I also think that's a big part about, um, like embarrassment and socialization, but we also want to keep private. And I think it's different in different cultures. And I have a lot of students that come from Eastern cultures. And I think that there is more of a, uh, don't share your private business. And so, and so I think that when people need to, uh, like ask for something extra in the classroom, you know, like they don't want to do it. Um, but I've, I've been watching them be very sad, um, and very, um, isolated from one another, but I'm really trying to encourage, uh, talking in the classroom and, um, getting getting to know one another because i can just tell that they are very i don't know it just feels like they're it feels like they're almost disconnected from their day and i want them to engage and i want them to think critically and know that they are capable and know that they have like the freedom to do these things but i know that it took me a very long time to get to a place where I was comfortable being creative and exploring uh, life the way that I wanted to explore it without the, the this is how society told me to live my life. Um, I think everyone likes to think that they were always like, well, I was always just like doing me. It's like, well, you, you were kind of, but like the, the bigger things that make you, you might've been. Um, repressed a little bit by whatever social boundaries your culture has put on you. But anyways, um, in my age group specifically, so coming from these like sad little, little high schoolers that I'm seeing to um, college age, I'm watching a lot of people break out of those boxes for the first time. And whether that be like a good opportunity um, to pursue a path that they wanted or oftentimes I see this growth come through the use of substances because they do not choose to take um, the meditative route to um, putting new filters on their reality. And so this sparks either a superficial change and a short-term change or a long-lasting one. And I, I've seen one or the other.
0: Okay, so that's a that's a interesting a, a deconditioning. I suppose we call it a yeah. deconditioning agent uh, is certainly to work with these plants and substances. Obviously, still so much stigma and legal uh, complexity. Around this topic, though it is loosening up gradually, I think but, I, I think at least people are taking the conversation seriously. In a well, way. and there's
1: so much more information out yeah. about the way that it affects your brain. Yes, Just the fact that research has started up again. Yep, um, is phenomenal, and I can tell that more people are interested in it. That's right. Than they used to be. Yep. <laughs> And it all, it just makes me think back to like Vietnam war era ah. that I was like, you all did, you all did LSD and peace and love happened. But, um, Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, sorry. Um, I just remember, uh, hearing that president Nixon deemed like one of the LSD researchers at Harvard, like the most dangerous man in America and if that doesn't tell you that this has a place in politics, I don't know what. Yeah,
0: what. he started a lot of this BS and kind of the early war on drugs and all that crap. Um, yeah, yeah, little tricky dick. Um, yeah, the, the, it, it was very taboo even just a few years ago. It's interesting how quickly things changed. I mean, it, it was old, the scientific, there's a ton of research anyone can look up, John Hopkins, among zillion other studies right now. Maps, MAPS. Look up. Mm-hmm. Um, even just like like I remember as an undergraduate, I would want to talk about some of this stuff, and my professors would ridicule me. They would actually mock me, <laughs> because it, like like to them, they'd be like, "Yeah, I, I did mushrooms in the '60s." They'd say some like condescending thing, as if like it's not worth talking about, or or whatever. So so luckily, you know people having to be like completely underground in the basement totally hiding about this topic is is not not really such a thing students in our class were very into it
1: (laughs) yeah well one I forget his name in the in the other side of the room from where I sat but he was just like and I was like he gets it everyone (laughs) just looking at all the other kids in the class that are just like I might not understand what's happening right now and not trying to oust some of the people in there but there were definitely some kids that were not on the same page
0: no at all
1: and I think it alarmed them I think it alarmed them that this was a conversation we were having in the classroom because they definitely came from a place where it is yes. it is a terrible thing for you.
0: Totally taboo. Though, though interestingly, over half at one point wrote about the subject. Really? So
1: we're yeah. interested.
0: Yeah. Some, some were extremely like distant and scientific about it and, and obviously had no personal interest whatsoever and they kept saying that. Uh, others were like, okay, you're kind of dabbling in there clearly others were were clearly had like a subjective side to it but I was pretty intrigued I think even the people you're talking about towards the end were like hmm I think they were truly critically thinking like why am I so afraid why is it so taboo Um, and, and obviously we have this association that all drugs are the same and all synthetic substances are you know but but there's such a variety, whether it's a full spectrum extract or a plant or a synthetic thing, it's, it's, it's all very, very different. And uh, synthetic substances are only barely over like 150 years old or something in mm-hmm. human history.
1: Well, and we're taking those things for, to affect other parts of our bodies. Oh, and I every day. help us think about our brain, like every other part of the body, you know, you take an aspirin, it, it that effect is a, it's for headache other parts of the body. Um, I don't know, you take a Tums when your stomach's upset, but to think about the brain is just another piece of you that you can mess with. You can alter it. And, and why not explore those alterations if they're non-life threatening? Yep. But there is, there are little disclosures to, um, obvious <laughs> substance abuse, <laughs> which, which we can go into, uh, later.
0: But, and interestingly, uh, I would just looked up a study today about some of these are actually counteracting substance abuse disorders, mm-hmm. which is very, ayahuasca is one of the biggest ones, I think. And, uh, generally DMT containing plants, not just them, of course, psilocybin has a bad effect as well, especially with cigarettes. Um, but so it's, it's like the antidote it's, it's the counterpoint, um, you know it's this this gets into such complex territory i in the hospital was given anti-anxiety medication and i wasn't sleeping at all so like i just said please give me something <laughs> please i'm not one to, to to i've never taken psychiatric meds ever and i don't want to even get into that whole quiet fire <laughs> but you know so like all right this thing will be sedating and seriously i had nightmares that make the most gory horror movie seem like disneyland I couldn't believe, I was like, how could my mind even conjure this level of, of, of gory, violent terror?
1: You are not the only person I've heard that from for like sleeping medications.
0: And it was anti-anxiety med, like the irony, the freaking irony. So I had to stop taking them and I don't, and I won't go on and on about that, but that's an interesting example to me of the synthetic things that target a very specific part of your brain, have all these side effects. I looked at the list of side effects I was like, "Oh, this is nice." Convulsing, vomiting, oh no, suicidal ideation, like for anti-anxiety medication. Suicidal ideation, like holy shit. I don't think
1: there's anything more anxiety-inducing than thinking about killing yourself.
0: I mean, it's it's a quote-unquote rare side effect, but the fact that it exists is pretty. That's pretty creepy. Yeah. And and I and I have friends, uh, anonymous friend, you might be listening to this. (laughs) <laughs> who <laughs> they seem totally fine with opiates and synthetics and, and benzos like xanax and so on and so forth which is like a trendy thing people do to calm down but have a complete aversion to anything in or, or psychedelic or they think it's like some absurd shortcut to nirvana that it's not right this this and that that's I like that's an that interesting have, like, bump start. Too. what's that
1: I'd like to think of it as the jumpstart for some people. It's a good way. To put I, it, I don't. Th- I don't think they'd have the exposure without it.
0: You know. Yeah, and and I mean, you would talk about anti-anxiety in mild amounts. You know, this it's very anti-anxiety. It's it's very much anti-stress, um, even it, without these full-blown psychedelic experiences, um, so-called microdosing, or or even uh, maybe more, a little more than micro however you want to quantify it. Um, These have long-term systemic effects on cortisol, on stress levels, on your emotional capacity to handle trauma, PTSD, on and on and on. And it's just, it's such an irony to me that this has such a long history of human usage that has immediate and long-term mental health benefits that you can look up and study (laughs) <laughs> and people are still like nah and yet all these other because a doctor says this is fine <laughs> here here take this and that here take this prescription i mean this is this is such a complex topic but we're seeing this play out uh very much and uh, it reminds me like brave new world there was a drug called soma in this book everyone takes it to just be flat and tranquilized and oh that's like a complacent yeah like a complacent robot who just consumes, obviously that was a metaphor, but also kind of literal in terms of yeah. um, a government forcing you to take a tranquilizer in the story. Um,
1: well, I mean, when, when you have substances that can actually fix it as uh, being made illegal, it is sort of forcing, you know, like if they're... I can only take these if I'm willing to accept the, the legal ramifications. So I'm taking on a risk. And if I am not willing to take on that risk, I have to do it the other way that you have provided for me. It puts you in a box. It puts you between yes. a rock and a hard place. And those of us that are willing to take on those risks um, or those of us that are willing to move to Oregon. Um, <laughs> wait, know, it's that. Washington, right? Oregon. It's, it is Oregon. All right.
0: But the whole west coast will follow i mean they're, they're all based almost there more or less
1: it's all, i feel like it's almost like a different country <laughs> <It kind> of, <laughs> i but, would like i would like to travel there and see what the what the people what the culture is about
0: yeah um, i lived in oregon for quite a while it's it's pretty cool there's a lot of perks
1: speaking of different places in the us um you were talking about pods in different places Yep. Um, We can definitely like bring this back around to psychedelics, but I just wanted to put this out there for travel. Um, I feel like the South always gets a bad rap, but when I go down there, the pods are pretty thin. And very much so concerned with how other people are doing. And um, like Southern hospitality is no joke. And I've I've always enjoyed it um, just because it's nice to just talk to strangers. Just because, just because they're a person that exists in proximity to your existence.
0: Yeah, I like that. There, there, there's a sudden warmth. <laughs> it's it's real. The hospitality is I, I really do like that part part of that culture.
1: So I don't know. I just wanna put that there.
0: <laughs> we were just
1: talking about different places. I was like, I gotta say it. But um back to the back to the serious subject at hand. That's <laughs> all right. I There's,
0: mean, you do feel that um, if you if you want to expand on psilocybin to some degree, yeah. I you, mean, you're admitted to to experimenting. <laughs> yes, mean-
1: I have actually recently been exploring microdosing. So, I was just doing like full doses for. A while. but as I've been um, as I've been going through a little bit more of like a challenging time, I just figured I would see how it was going. And so I um, have really been enjoying the self check-in once a week and r- sort of resetting, reevaluating um, and sort of boosting my mood and I've been enjoying it so
0: Okay. I think, uh, yeah, and there's a lot of interesting, I'm, there's like a tons of blogs and people's journals and talking about this experience and people studying it. I think it's, it's very intriguing um, to do that. Definitely less overwhelming and, and less scary. Um, do you find that you've had some in your history with it that you've had some kind of breakthrough, catharsis, or spiritual emergence or cleansing i tend to think of them as kind of cleansing experiences healing i guess you could think of it as as, as along those lines anything about that you'd like to touch on um
1: yes uh several um, i don't know if you would want to save that for another episode though
0: because <laughs> i, I, oh, like- I gotta I got, I got pause it in a minute uh everyone out there um yeah because that'll take some time obviously more, more than. I, I, def, I definitely do
1: have some stories. Um, I had the experiences of other people, um, but it's been uh, quite liberating, and I have been strongly encouraging those closest to me to also participate, um, as I know that they could maybe use a reset.